have the review done, and we have the I have the timer. Are we ready for story time? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, you guys pulled up in this bus. <clears throat> From what you can tell in the dark, the house is pretty nondescript. Walls, roof, windows, it's a house. But even in the dark, you can see cracks, and the paint that was surely white years ago is now faded and flaking. Uh, it's got quite a front door on it. It's metal. Uh, Poxo punches in a code on a keypad next to it to unlock it. And then you all uh, head inside this house. And once you're inside, he closes the door, punches a couple of buttons on a keypad next to that, and does one last peek out the window. Can I do an investigation to see what kind of what numbers he punches in? Uh, sure, you could pay attention, but he does it rather rapidly. I doubt you would uh, be able to reproduce it. Um, once the door is closed, he turns around and just grins widely at all of you. He looks like this is the greatest day of his life. So, the living room is large. Or maybe it just feels that way because there's no furniture in it. There's pillows and beanbags all over the floor. The walls are covered in tapestries and posters, <laughs> paintings, drawings. Um, there's a coffee table uh, up against the wall on two of the walls. So, two coffee tables, two walls. There are three floor lamps in the room. And there's a large, old, beat-up trunk sitting in one corner. Um, and the room smells much like the bus did. Spicy, herbal, earthy. And the, this room, unlike the, the, the bus, is kind of musty. Um, the living room opens up to a dining area and a kitchen on the right. And it didn't occur to me until I was rehearsing this yesterday that, yeah, I'm more or less visualizing the layout of this room. Except instead of the kitchen being on that side, it's on that side. And it's more open. It's not just a little doorway. Um, and then over there in the dining area, it's like a totally different house. There's a large desk with uh, four screens sitting on it, a keyboard, boxes with blinking lights and stuff, a huge mess of papers. And there's a bookshelf next to the desk with a hundred or so books and odd items in the empty places. These walls aren't covered, but there is a lot of stuff. There's a variety of charts, maps, one big topographic map with pins in it. And a tidy cot sits in one corner with a blanket and a pillow very neatly made. And sitting at the desk, there's a man with a shaved head with his back to you. Um, from the living room is a hallway, and again, I did this by accident. Uh, there is a hallway on this living room, but again, on their living room, it's on that side. Um, <clears throat> even from the front door, you can see into the kitchen that there's a uh, sink full of dirty dishes. And dirty dishes next to the sink. And dirty dishes on the counter across from the sink. So once you all get in, Poxo looks toward the desk and says, Vril! The man in the chair turns around. He looks to be about the same age as Poxo, early 30s. He scans all of you, and then he looks at Poxo. This man is dressed conservatively. He's got a white button shirt with short sleeves, black necktie, black slacks, black shoes. He's just glaring at Poxo. Poxo says something very excited. Vril says something impatient. Poxo says something persuading. Vril says something fed up. You can't understand their words, but it's clear that this is a scene between the two of them that has played out many times. Vril stands up and just marches out the front door, which he slams shut. And then you hear the bus start up and leave. Poxo doesn't look the slightest bit embarrassed over this scene. He says a couple of things to you. Obviously, you can't understand him, but it sounds like maybe an explanation for Vril's reaction or maybe a brief summary of the history of similar interactions, but it doesn't sound disparaging, just explanation. He then looks at all of you, deciding what to do next. He opens his mouth to say something, but sighs with futility. He shrugs, punches a few buttons on the door, and a green light on the control panel begins steadily blinking. He walks over to a closet and pulls out a heap of blankets, Remember, it's nighttime. 
and starts pulling them apart and handing one to each of you and motions to the floor. And then he walks around touching each lamp, causing them to dim, then walks over to the corner with the trunk where a blanket already lays. He sits down, <clears throat> cross-legged, wraps the blanket around himself, and leans back against the wall, thinking with a big smile like a man whose all of his dreams have just come true. <laughs> so what do you guys want to do now? I would like to look at Verge. What was that guy's name? Vril. Vril. I'd like to look at his desk. Okay. You can clean up the place. Clean up the place? <laughs> I need to make sure that Huh? You could clean the dishes. Well, oh now, my. well, now, keep in mind, it is very late at night, and Poxo um, seems to think you all should be going to bed. Let's let's start with this. Um, go over to the desk thing. Should I do an investigation roll? Um, no, because there's really nothing to find there. I'll just, um, I'll, um, hmm. I'm trying to think what might be of interest. I mean, as far as the books on the shelf, they're obviously in a language you don't understand. As far as the maps and charts and drawings on the wall, you um, can't make much sense of them. There's the large topographic map with pins in it. Uh, your first assumption would be that that is... Some kind of... Like the local area and he's visiting someplace. That's... Yep, that's what I assumed you would assume. Are the books... Merely text, or are there like schematics in them? Do they look like they might have some kind of mathematical formula? Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, let's see. For that, you can give me a roll. Investigation? Yep. Okay, and I'm minus one because of my meds. So I, that's. No, no. Okay, then a nine. A nine. Okay, so that's a success. So. Fair enough. Yes, they appear to be very brainy books. Um, there's a lot of as you as you flip through them. There's a lot of like um, celestial kind of stuff. This guy is obviously interested in the sky, the galaxy. Um, there are also. Books that contain pictures of things that are like uh, ruins. Um, so apparently he's interested in history. Um, but typically these books focus more on the various symbols that can be found in the, in the hieroglyphics and stuff like that. That it's not just um, coolest places in the world. It's, um, it's like these books are maybe trying to make a case for something. Um, and nine, you said, and I'll leave it at that. That's about as far as you get. When Poxo says something, calling over your direction, um, kind of sounds something along the lines of, uh, you shouldn't be messing around over there. He even says the name Vril in there, so... You could probably take it as uh, Varel's going to get upset if he sees somebody digging through his stuff. Okay. I'll go to bed then. Yeah. Okay. And you can hold off on the cleaning thing, but that's that's a good inclination. You can wake up early. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's say you guys get comfy. Wait, did I take any bombs with me? No. 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 Um, I mean, you can only carry so much anyway. Uh, so let's say that you guys are getting yourself comfy when suddenly Poxo remembers something and opens the trunk. He digs through for several moments and pulls out a folder and hands it out to whoever wants to take it. I'll take it. So he hands it to Hira. Inside are several drawings, obviously drawn by a child. I mean, not a four-year-old, but still very simplistic. They're very old and yellowed and faded, and the dim lights in the room don't help either. Most of them are drawings of people, but the last one causes you to freeze. And a moment goes by before you even remember to breathe. This picture, this drawing, is obviously supposed to be a ship almost identical to yours. It's a child's rendering, but there's no question it's a ship very much 
like yours. You look up at Paxo, and he says, Tia estava, Cabo. Que leian tiras for John I want to point at the picture and point at Paxo and say, Paxo? Cas. Mm. Seems like Paxo has witnessed the shipping route then, maybe when he was a child. Or he saw, he can see into the future. I don't know, am I barking up the wrong tree? <laughs> <laughs> don't stop, start barking. GM face. <laughs> Is there any part of the room that's kind of dark? It's all fairly dark. It's all pretty dim. Do the people look like us? I don't see why they would. Um, did you want to take another look at the pictures of people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is one that catches your attention because the guy in it is darker than the others. Dark skin, dark eyes, dark hair. Like my color? Why? What is your color? Oh, I'm olive skinned, I guess. Blue. Is this more like dark, Blue dark? Eyes. No. Blue eyes. It could be olive skinned. Could be olive skinned. How about what are the other? Can we determine, like, at least gender of the others? One of them is a woman, and she's got lighter colored hair. How many people are there in total? Five. Five people. Does one have a gun? <laughs> no, these are headshots. It's just, like, from here up. But as you're going through, actually it becomes very obvious that, yes, they all have that in common. From what you can see of their color, it does look like the top of a jumpsuit. Are they all five adults? Yeah. So you got one that's got darker skin than the rest, dark eyes, dark hair. <coughs> one is a woman and she's got lighter hair. Mm -hmm. uh, there is another one that has very dark, maybe black hair. Mm -hmm. What color eyes? Uh, you really can't tell that sort of thing, but they're lighter. I mean, again, looks like they were drawn by a 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. I want to point at the one that might have dark skin and say, point to myself in the picture. Cass! Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'll hold up the uh, woman one and say, Hira. Cass. <laughs> All right. Uh. Let's do the dark hair one with brown eyes. Yeah. Okay, he will say the same thing for each of you. Okay, and then the fifth person so I want to point one? at. Jex? With like a questioning look. Yeah, he returns the questioning look. I'm like, where's that one? Mm. The one that doesn't match you guys, um, again, drawing of a 10 year old, they all kind of look alike. Um, he. That could be shaggy, unkempt hair in that picture. Now, there's a thing going on here. The more you guys look at these pictures, the more you think it's you guys. Uh -huh. You know how that works. Uh -huh. okay. Well, Paxo at least seems to think it's us. Uh, and um, despite Paxo's excitement, you can tell he's getting sleepier and sleepier. I'm okay. going to go to bed. Yeah. I want to... Tomorrow, we should try to communicate with Paxo by drawing and see how... If we can... If his drawing has improved since then. <laughs> it could be that he did it last year, or it could be that he did it when he was 10. Or... I'll go ahead and say that... No, these pictures are really old. Oh, okay. Uh, very old and yellowed and faded. Okay. Is what it says. So, I mean... Definitely more than a year old. Yeah. Um, and I just don't see how it could possibly be you guys. So. 
So that's it. You lay down, stare up at the ceiling going, now what could this all possibly mean? Yeah, sure. Okay. Early the next morning, you are all awakened by blinding light. The front door opened, and the rising sun is blazing in. It startles all of you awake. The bald man stands there, just looking at the sight of bodies all over the floor. Poxa says, Lieutenant Vril. Poxa, or Vril looks around and says, Perntudge, with disgust. He closes the door, goes into the bathroom. A moment later, music of stringed bowed instruments begins to play. Poxo seems unfazed. He yawns and then stands up, stretching. No, leave me another estasrine. It is now day 30, August 14th in the game. Now, um, Poxo uh, obviously is a morning person. He begins just moving around and... Um, says some things, does some hand motions to let you know that it's time to go. Ah, uh, let's see. He punches a couple of buttons by the front door, ushers everybody out. Um, uh, lost my place. Oh, once you're out, he closes it, punches in a combination. You're wanting to take note of that, I assume? Mm hmm Okay. You don't know if you'd be able to repeat it. Um, in the daylight, outside the house, you can see that the house looks really decrepit. And there's piles of all kinds of scrap metals, huge wire bales, and various other materials just piled around the property. Um, once you guys get in the bus, Poxo starts it up. He punches a few buttons on the control panel, the gate opens, he drives through, and you set off for town, winding along dirt roads, seeing the very occasional house. Um, once you get out onto the real street, he makes a right. You pass many businesses. Of course, you can read none of the signs. Now that it's daytime, you see that this is a very small city. There are no tall buildings. Um, you're obviously on some kind of main street on one edge of it. At the other edge, way that way, um, is a rise in elevation and a lot of woods. Trees, as far as you can see, miles and miles of them. That is obviously where he collected you from. He eventually comes to a business with large windows all around it, and you can see many people inside eating at tables. He parks the bus and attempts to lead you in. You gonna go with him into the uh, restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Am I allowed my rifle? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Okay, yeah, let's settle this <laughs> uh, weapons thing. Obviously, you guys are not gonna be walking around with weapons. Where are you leaving your weapons? Can we. Can I, like, put my gun belt on under my jumpsuit? No. Um, you might be able to conceal your pistols somewhere in it, but, I mean, it's a jumpsuit. It's all one piece. I think it'd be pretty obvious you was packing iron. I'll leave mine under the seat in the van. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So um, leave your weapons in the bed, in the, in the bus. Okay. Okay. I can leave, I can leave Bosk on the bus, too, just in case. Yeah, just leave. I'm going to take my wooden knife. Uh, if you can fit it in your pocket, that's fine. I mean, you're walking into a McDonald's for crying out loud. I don't think much can go wrong. Uh, the space McDonald's, whatever it is. Um, there is a counter manned by three people in yellow uniforms with hats with stripes of red, yellow, and blue. Above and behind them are menus, pictures of food with which you assume are descriptions and prices. Um, he says to the gal, Kevin Metengo Popkin, Virajaj Kabo. The girl has been curious looking at, curiously looking at the four of you. Then she comes to her senses when she realizes he spoke and begins punching buttons on a console in front of her. She says something to him. He reaches in his pocket, pulls out some coins of various sizes. He gives the young girl behind the counter some of the coins, and she hands a couple of small ones back. He then goes and sits down at a table. You guys going to follow him over? <laughs> yes. Did he order us food? <laughs> Who knows? 
You are getting some curious looks from people. You are matching clothes that do not at all resemble what everyone else is wearing, and especially you're noticing a lot of curiosity about whatever it is you have clipped your ear. Of course, being with Poxo and the way he looks doesn't exactly help you blend in either. And then Poxo is catching on that you're drawing attention. And he says, but before he can finish, a voice from the counter calls out, Poxo? Yeah, he gets up quickly, grabs a bag and a tray with five small cups in it uh, from the counter and leads you all out to the bus. Once you're in the bus, he reaches in the bag and pulls out a foil-wrapped, vaguely cylindrical object and holds up one of the cups. And he says, Popkin. And he says, Hoge. Uh, and he keeps one of each and hands the bag and the tray back to you guys. All right, I'll open a popkin and start using. <laughs> okay. Yes, it's a it's a fat cylindrical food object um, wrapped up in very flat white bread. Um, it's therefore a burrito. It's a burrito. Okay, fair enough. Anybody want to talk about what might be in it? What's in a space breakfast burrito? No. I mean, maybe space eggs, space sausage. <laughs> yeah. So Vegetables we've never tried before. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hope you had your shots. Um, he sits in the control seat, unwraps his popkin and takes a bite, sets the drink in a cup holder. Anybody want to taste the, what did he call what's in the cup? Uh-huh. Hoge. Hoge. So anybody want to be brave enough to be the yeah. first one to taste it? Oh, you will? Okay. It tastes like really strong tea, and the most noticeable flavor is almost sort of a, an oniony kind of a taste. So, kind of weird. Definitely not uh, your dad's coffee, that's for sure. Um, Poxo starts up the bus and drives away. Within a couple few turns, it's obvious that he's heading back up to the hilly woods. We're all going to have bad breath. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Give quite me that possibly. breath. Oh, we're not trying to impress Poxo. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, your breath will probably still smell better than the rest of him. So. All right. So... A paved road through town leads up to a dirt road. Um, after doing that for a while, it leads to a wide trail, which leads to a narrow trail, which leads to, uh, is there even a trail here? Um, the bus bounces and shudders and trees scrape against the side. And, you know, the, the reverse of what you guys did getting out of here, only now it's daylight. Eventually, you are at the ship. Poxo turns off the bus, jumps out of the seat and goes running out the door and stands at the ramp, obviously eager to see the inside of a spaceship. <laughs> okay. I'll get out and we anyway need to check things well, he's out. He's a cheerful fellow, isn't he? I'll use the, the remote and open the ramp. Okay. Um, now he will immediately start darting up the ramp. Um, you okay with that? Yeah. I think I think that Bosk and Veronica should escort him. Yeah. And Hare and I can try to figure out what's wrong with the show. Or we could just show him around. Yeah, like you could show him around. To give him a tour. Okay, well the lip of the ramp doesn't even touch the ground before he like jumps up onto it <laughs> oh and runs in. He's saying all kinds of excited stuff you can't understand. He's gazing at everything in awe and wonder, moving from object to object, from sight to sight, practically running, and that's just the cargo bay. Um, so you want to give him a tour, you yeah. said? Yeah. All right, well, we'll just shortcut and say that, uh, well, when he first sees you open a button, by pushing, uh, open a door by pushing a button, he's just got to try it himself. He sits there and opens it, and closes it, and opens it, and closes it, and just giggles, you know. Um, when you get to the bunkhouse, he tries out one of the bunks. Oh, dear. He, like, stretches out on it, and <clears throat> it's like uh, he's thinking, I can totally get used to this life. I should have shown the misters. Uh, that's what was next on my list. Actually. <laughs> he was fascinated by the mister until he hit a button and it came on, and then he backed away, like, you know, didn't know what was about to happen. Uh, when you guys get to the bridge, he takes a seat at the bridge, 
and strikes a pose and says, Des quiero me aspectos, Cabo, and just smiles widely. Uh, he then spins around in the chair, and, I don't know, it's, it's a little embarrassing. He seems to be pretending that he's flying the ship. Oh, dear. Um, he's even, but he's at contact. He doesn't <laughs> seem to know him better. The dude is making sound effects and everything. He's going, beep, boop, beep, beep. From the box of Rapunta Pirtivak. Beep, boop. And he just giggles and giggles. This is obviously a very big life event for him. All right. So anyway, back to the work. Back to the work. Okay. I want to try to figure out what's going on with the ship. Okay. What are you going to do to try to determine that? I think I'd probably start with ship systems and see what warrants further investigation. Okay. So you want to, like, do a diagnostic? Yeah, I'll do a diagnostic. Okay. Go for it. Roll it with ship systems. <coughs> Should I just re-roll this one? Yeah. Okay, 11. Oh. Okay. Alright. Um, you know, I actually lost my place in my notes, so I won't bother hangouting it to you, but um, you are having multiple power issues. And, and you may recall, you did a diagnosis once already, and it said manual inspection required. Um, Eleven, you say. Alright. Here is what you deduce. You have one ma major power outage. So, you know what? I have this scripted. Where is it? Oh, there it is. You have a very serious power failure. You can tell that there is one big break, probably physical. But there are also many subsystems that failed. They panicked, okay, um, and need to be reset or maybe something more complicated. And these repairs are going to take quite some time, in all caps. Okay. What you're going to want to do is go around to these access panels that are all over the ship and check all of them. Now, eventually you'll find the actual source of the problem. But again, what you're doing along the way is all of these things that panicked before they failed, you're going to need to reset, or it might be something a bit more complicated, until you will eventually find the actual main problem that caused all of this. Okay. And Hira would surely be a help. By way of review, let's remember that though I've been making this poor girl do a bunch of medic work, she has a plus two in electronics, computers, and engineering. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, are we ready for a minigame? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Guys, this is the most complicated minigame I've ever written, but I don't think it's going to be that hard. First of all, both of you are going to need a, a, a third die. And you're going to want to get ready to scribble notes, um, either on the inside of your character sheet or on the back. We're talking disposable notes. You're just going to make notes as you go. Okay. All right. So, here's what's going are to happen. rolling with... I'll get to that. I'll get... I will get to that. All right. Um, let's start by saying that you go to one of these access panels, okay? What I need you to do first is roll me a 3d6. With no modifiers? No modifiers. Okay, six. Wow, really? <laughs> All right. Write down time unit, six minutes. Okay, so, yes, there's a problem in this access panel. Now, how difficult of a problem, is this something that's just going to, you can take care of real quick, or is it going to take a while? Give me a 1d6. Four. Oh, that's the one I got more often than not. Okay. Here's what you're going to have to do. You are going to, uh, let's see, what are your skills again? Engineering, mechanics are the main ones. Okay. 
Let's call this one. What do you need the most? What do you need most? Buffed up mechanics. I have nine marks on engineering and three marks on mechanics. And both of them are a plus, plus one. Two. Oh, both of them are a plus two. Then let's call this one mechanics. Okay. All right. So uh, you just told me the mechanics is plus two. Mm -hmm. All right. You're going to use two skill dice. Okay. So it's going to be one of those four d six things, four and you're going to choose two. Okay. However, okay. each roll has to be better than the last. Okay. Ties do not count. It <laughs> has to be better than. And each one of these rolls is going to use a time unit. So four rolls, your time unit is six. Yes? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's going to take a total of 24 minutes. Give me that first 46 with the skilled dice. Choose the two that you want to get. So I need, I should start with as low as possible. Yep. Three. All right, give me the next one. Five. Uh oh, okay. Six. Okay. Eight. Awesome. Okay, so you fixed it and it took 24 minutes. So jot down 24 minutes. Okay. Now, while you're doing that, Hera goes to a different access panel. Roll me your time units. 3d6. <laughs> Four. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. All right, write down time units. Four minutes. So now you go to an access panel and have a look inside, and what do you see? Is it simple or is it complicated? A 1d6. One. <laughs> I forgot to mention, these are in order of complexity. So four, that's a pretty tough job you just did. One is the easiest. Mark anything? Oh yes, take a mark for each procedure that you do when you're done. So yes, you now get one mark there. Okay, and you rolled a one. So, what you gotta do is a standard eight to succeed roll. Um, do you want it for uh, mechanics, electronics? Choose one of those. Oh, you don't have mechanics. So no, either engineering. engineering. Yeah, well these ain't computers. So either engineering or electronics. Engineering. Engineering, okay, so all you gotta do is give me a 2d6 plus engineering, 8 to succeed. 8. <laughs> 8? Yeah. Okay, so you fixed that in record time. It only took you 4 minutes. Now you had, what, 24 minutes? So he's still working on that one over there. You could move on to another access panel. Okay, so write down that you've spent 4 minutes. Can make a mark. Oh, yes, and make a mark on engineering. Okay. All right, now you're going to go to another control uh, access panel. Give me that 3D6 for time unit. Yes, it'll be a new time unit on each one. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. 8 plus 4 is 12. Yeah. So mark down 12 minutes is your new time unit. And give me a 1D, uh, you open up the, con the access panel, and... Uh, one. One! So it's something easy. So you want it on engineering again? Yeah. All right, 2D6 plus engineering, eight to succeed. Uh-oh. Uh, I, I did not succeed. succeed. Okay, so you have now spent 12 minutes, and you didn't get it fixed. So now make the same roll. The 2D6? Mm-hmm. 11. That time it's a success. However, that took you 24 minutes. Okay, so write down 24 minutes, and we're back to Bardak, who has finished his first one. Okay. He already knows how this works. Seven minutes. Okay. 1d6 to determine complexity. Four again. Roll again. Don't you want a different game? 
<laughs> Three. Three, all right. So, here's what you got to do. What's your time unit? Seven. Seven? Oh, dear. All right. Roll a 2d6, and you need a pair. 2d6, and I need a pair. Yep, and however many tries it takes you, multiply that by your time unit. Okay. He jinxed your dice by sneaking. <laughs> there we go. Oh, only took two tries. So, how long? 14. 14 minutes. 14 minutes, and you were doing a 24-minute job, so... Ten. Uh, so, Bardock could... Wait, what? 10-minute job? No, no, 20, oh, you're okay. at 28 minutes. And I'm now at 38 We don't have to be that detailed. It's just if if she's going to take 24 minutes, we might as well give you 24-ish minutes. Okay. Okay. So, um, so yeah, you're done. Hera's still working on, a, on hers. Start with the time unit again. Nine. Okay. 1d6 to establish difficulty. You open up this access panel and you Six. see a big mess, apparently. <laughs> All right. You're going to roll a 3d6. What is the minimum you can roll on a 3d6? The minimum? Three. And what is the maximum? 18. You need to get to 100 and not go over do I use all three dice? Yes, you are going to roll three d sixes and keep adding okay. until you get to a hundred. But if you go over, start again. You have to start again. <laughs> okay, nine. I'll track it for you. Okay. Hang on, though. Slow down. All right, nine plus plus seven, sixteen. Seven plus ten plus twelve. Uh, so you're at... I thought it was going to give me a running total, but it doesn't. What's up with that? Alright, well either track it yourself or ask Hira kindly or your son to uh, track it for you. And track it. What, what, do I, what do I have? Do you have Nine. numbers? Two. Nine plus seven plus ten plus twelve. Okay. Nine plus seven plus ten plus twelve. Okay. What's that put you at? Eight. Okay. Okay, plus three. Plus 11. Give us the drama. What do you have now? I have 52. Uh huh. So that's plus 14. Plus 14 is 66. 66. Plus 8. 74. Plus 8. 82. Now hold on. 82. If you were to roll an 18, you'd go over. No, I'd be at 100 exactly. Oh. Right, there you go. So, good. You ever play blackjack? It's kind of like blackjack. Okay. Three, one, and two. Plus six. Is 88? Yeah. Oof. Now, I can tell you the average roll of a 3d6 is 10. I'm going to go again. Oh, boy. All right. So, what happens if I'm under? You can stop when you're under. Um, but I'm going to be marking a modifier. Because the system is only working at 88%. 84. Plus 8. <laughs> 96. And you're going to stop at 96? I'll stop at 96. How many rolls was that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's... 7 rolls? Wait. Oh, oh whoops. Uh, I think it was 10 rolls. You think it was 10 rolls? And what was your time unit? 9. Nine. So yeah, that's an hour and a half right there. So that means that uh, you're going to be doing other jobs. Well, uh, hang on, let me blacklist this spammer. Um, okay, so um, we got three and a half minutes, so let's bio break there, and then we'll let you do some jobs. And um, you guys are going to be doing something while they continue working on the ship. Okay. So let's take our bio break there. Actually, who's ready for chips and drinks? Me. Okay. So we are trying Earp's Sarsaparilla, which I have never tried, and we're having the old favorite trip chips, the um, salsa, verde. salsa verde Doritos. All right. So, so while these repairs are going on, you guys have just been showing 
Poxo around this ship. Poxo, let's say that he's gotten your names at this point. That he knows that you're Bosk and you're Baronix. Mm -hmm. And he starts talking to you and it, it seems to you that he's trying to get you to go somewhere. That, um, that uh, these two are working, the rest of you are not. So he appears to want to get you to go somewhere with him. You think you guys would be in favor of taking off somewhere with Boxo for a while? I mean, you kind of have no choice. You break my game if you don't. So, <laughs> so let's say that you guys go out to the bus with Boxo. And he drives you guys into town, back into town. Um, and he gets back on that main street, but instead of going left, the direction of the place you got breakfast from, he goes right. And he eventually pulls into a parking area in front of several conjoined shops. The one he parks in front of is done up in the same style as the bus, swirling colors and pictures and patterns. In the windows are clothes like his, tapestries, <laughs> handbags, and other stuff you can't even identify. There is no doubt that this is where Poxo shops for his clothes. <laughs> he, he, get, he stands up from the, the control area, he goes over the door, he's about to open, and he says, Nura tendo CTA, Mirira Senuto. I think we have to stay here. And then he gets out of the, the bus and closes the door. He walks into the shop, and you can see him talking to someone inside. And then you wait. Eventually... He reemerges with, with a couple of large cloth bags. He gets in and hands the bag the bags to you guys and grins and goes like this. Then he starts up the bus and you're in motion again. It only takes a couple of turns to realize that he's taking you back to the ship. Now I'm gonna open the bag. Okay. Yeah, and in it you see. But we'll come back to that in a moment. Let's find out how Hira is killing this hour and a half that um, that uh, Bardak is working on a single job. So, baby doll, what do you do? Okay, so um, 40 minutes. And again, we'll just reset it every time. You had 90 minutes, so you've still got 50 minutes until he's even done. Maybe we should find out what was in... Those cloth bags. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Inside of the the bag. First thing you pull out is a dashiki shirt in oranges and blues. I'm guessing nobody here knows what a dashiki shirt is because I didn't until I had to research it. So here is what a Do you have a random clothes generator? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. No, I actually did this the hard way. I, I oh. researched this. Oh. So here comes what a dashiki shirt in oranges and blues looks like. There are also... There are also two tie-dyed t-shirts in there. And the next one we're going to have to use our imagination with. And by the way, nobody is allowed to call dibs yet. Let's get the inventory out of the way first. Okay. The Well, I didn't think they were that funny. It's the, the Rafiki shirt or whatever it's called. Um, the same as the shirt. It's the model. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Okay, so you'll get even more a kick out of this model. The next one is a long-sleeved um, paisley shirt in browns and gold. <laughs> however, however, unlike in this picture, it's got big billowy sleeves. We also have... A, an oversized white billowy blouse. Blouse. That I figure would be something like that there. You guys would not believe the ridiculous amount of time I spent <laughs> digging out uh, images and such. 
So there are five shirts in there, um, and I have described all of them. Now, also in the bag, first of all, we've got a pair of pinstriped oh, pants no. <laughs> that are flared at the bottom, and they are in I'm black. I'm now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they are in black and white. Okay. At least I know when you guys receive the picture. Um, now, I could not find a good picture of what I was looking for. This was the best I could find, and it doesn't really get it across. I mean, it sort of gets it across. The next item there in there is a pair of jeans that have bright, colorful patches on them and embroidery. And that image was the closest that I could find. Okay. So then, also, there are a pair of pants that are obviously meant to match that shirt because they are, and I'm looking, there it is, paisley in browns and golds. So that should be coming, there it is. And then we have a long cotton skirt not Wesley, I said you can't call dibs. Um, in purples, and it has a belt with it. Okay, there are also several pair of sandals and one pair of tall boots um, with a lot of fringe hanging off of them. And the closest that I could find for that was this picture here. Now, again, I, I welcome you guys in making adjustments in your head canon for what these things actually look like, okay? Um, there are also various accessories, vests, headbands, necklaces, and bracelets. So, obviously, you guys are here with the bags of clothes, <laughs> and they are working on the ship. So you guys get to uh, decide what you're keeping first. So what was your total time on that job? 55 minutes. 55 minutes. So um, you only needed to kill half an hour. Mm -hmm. So we'll say that uh, he gets done a half hour before you do. But I think it's probably a good time for the um, boss to come pulling up. And um, the first thing that uh, can be, well, if you are looking at just the right angle, you'd see the barrel of the rifle come out, followed by this guy who is wearing, remind us again? <laughs> a dashiki shirt, orange and blue, over that uh, a brown jacket with sunglasses, a blue and orange banana with sandals, um, blue jeans with colorful patches and embroidery. embroidery. Okay. Gronix steps off the ship and he's wearing a tie-dye shirt with swirling colors, pinstripe pants, black jacket, black sunglasses, black bandana, sandals, rainbow bead necklaces, <laughs> necklace, and rainbow bracelets. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. You guys have been repairing these various subsystems that failed. You determine that the actual root problem... Oh, and by the way, there's still subsystems that will need to be repaired. But it becomes apparent to you that the problem is damage that is on the outside of the ship. Okay. There is something damaged out there. Maybe we have a ladder, don't we? You do not have a ladder. Oh, we have the crane thing. You have a reach truck. Okay, let's take the reach truck and go outside. Okay. And this reach truck rolling around in dirt doesn't work very well. It's got like those little caster kind of wheels on it. It needs mm. the... I have an idea. So we get a platform that is uh, explosive proof. And we put explosives under it, and it would just blow it up. We set someone up there. What could possibly go wrong? Maybe we should take some of the 
<coughs> fall on down trees and create some boards. Physics. Or we could ask Puck, so if he has some like platform stuff. Poxo. Points over should, at Van. I think we should over to the ship, climb on top of the van and get on the ship. Wow, you should get an experience. <laughs> Um, why don't you take a mark for streetwise? Okay. At least you'll get something out of it. Alright, that's a good idea. Have a look at the ship. Have a look at the picture of the ship. Mm -hmm. Once you get up on top of the, the bus, because if we go by that scale, the bus ain't even going to get to the top mm -hmm. of the bottom stripe. If we go by this scale here, I would think it would easily get you halfway up. Well, if you did it on the front, it seems like it's... Could, so. Could be, yeah. Let's see. See, I didn't even think of this. This is a great idea, crawling up on top of the bus. Okay, and I'll even allow you that there is a ladder on the side of the bus. So, you would have to... Hmm. All right. Who thinks that they would be able to communicate with somebody in another language to do this operation. I think I could. You think I, you could? Me too, I think. I would point at Paxo and point at the driver's seat. And then I would show him where the van needs to be. And kind of go like this. And, um, cool. Give me a 2D6. You got a modifier you think would apply? No? Okay. Should I add a hand gesture? <laughs> Ten. Ten. All right, he gets it. And he pulls the bus over. Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys managed to crawl up there and have a look around. Where would you like to start looking? <clears throat> um, we're having problems with the port engine, right? Yep. Let's start at the port. Okay. You find that there is a large access panel missing. But there are three large cables that run through it. And we're talking cables um, like this big round cable, okay? Three large cables that connect um, up on top of the port engine. That was actually the starboard engine. Oh, did I say three cables? Mm. One of the cables is missing. It looks like to you that this access panel is one of the things that was repaired at Mel's Hole, but it wasn't repaired properly. And it must have come, this panel must have come flying off at some point. And when that panel came flying off, sooner or later, that cable came flying out. Okay. Mm. Do we have any extra parts? Yeah, we do in the locker. Yep, spare parts are in the locker. Well, we should go scrounging for spare parts. Okay. And how similar is the size of the panel to some of the panels that are on the inside of the ship? Not similar at all. Okay. Not to mention this is the external of the ship. You two engineering people would understand it's got to be a different kind of metal than is used inside the ship. Mm -hmm. As you, I assume you want to get down off the ship and go look into the locker room. Mm -hmm. In the locker room, you do not find a spare cable. And you, of course, don't find an, a spare uh, <coughs> access panel cover. How about in our reach truck or trailer annual? No, no. You are clearly confronted with a problem that uh, this ain't about repair. This is about replace a part that you don't got. But okay, we will say that it's getting to be about uh, dinner time. And he... I mean, you realize you will not get this, fix shipped, uh, this ship fixed in one day. I mean, hours have gone by. You guys have been working all day. There's just all kinds of stuff to do. Plus, you need a part. Mm 
And um, two parts. I don't know if the hardware store on Cabma is going to have the part. Well, yeah, two parts because you'll need to cover it as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so when he starts telling you that um, we got to get out of here now, I assume you guys would be compliant, right? Mm -hmm. He's looking around. He's acting a little nervous. It is getting to be a bit darker. And by the way, days on Cabma are shorter than you would be used to. You'd be surprised that it's getting darker so soon. So you all load up in the bus. Um, do you guys go ahead and put on your uh, street clothes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you uh, travel your way back through town, and when you get back at that main street again, you make a left, and you end up at the place that you guys got breakfast from. But this time, he pulls around the building, and there's a line of cars that ends at a window in the side of the building. You wait your turn, and when you get to the window, he turns off the bus and steps down from the elevated control seat and uh, into the little side area and opens up a window and talks to the gal. He says, kiss fest and popkin. He exchanges coins with the person in the window and stands there waiting with a yawn. After a few minutes, a paper sack is handed to the window. Boxo takes it and climbs up into the control seat starts the bus and drives away, and he just sets the bag next to him. Eventually, you're back at the house. Inside the house, the bald man is sitting at his desk again, and again, he's ignoring you. Boxo takes one of the items from the bag and sets it on the desk next to Vril. Then he plops down on the floor, cross-legged, and starts digging in the bag. Uh, you guys all, like, standing there looking at him? You want to sit down <laughs> with him? I'm going to sit down. Yeah. Sit down. Um, he starts taking them out and hands them around, and once again, they are bopkins. They're cylindrical, wrapped in foil. He hands them out, he unwraps it, takes a big bite. <laughs> he grins and says, fast and popkin. Uh -huh. So you guys want to dig in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you guys would be discussing what you wanted to do next. Yeah. Vril becomes curious as he's hearing you guys talk. He eventually turns around in his chair, and he's eating his dinner and watching all of you. A little skeptical, but he's listening. And as you guys are talking about this stuff, he opens a drawer and fishes out a small box with a screen on one side. We're all going to imagine that there's a screen on this. And it's got a couple of buttons like this does. He looks very skeptical, but he says, Mi estas vril. Then he holds it out to you and pushes the button. Okay, my name is Bardak. He taps the screen and hands it to you, and it's a picture of a circle. And he holds it out like this. Circle. Taps the screen, and now it's a picture of a square. Square. And then he hands it over to you, and each time you tap the screen, there's a square, then a triangle, then an oval, then a rectangle, and then a cube, a ball, a cone, a cylinder. Eventually, there's a sequence of pictures of things shaped like those shapes. Planets, cups, boxes, etc. Then it goes through various animals, plants, objects, man, woman, child. Eventually, graphics representing all kinds of actions, textures, colors, adjectives. The whole thing takes two or three hours, probably even more. Finally, the picture stops, and it just beep, 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 and a word flashes on the screen. He takes it from you, looks at it, and walks over to his desk and connects it to his computer. And it is now pretty darn late. Very dark outside. He yawns and stretches and says, Si tío divas zvenatrad libno. Then he pulls back the blanket on his cot and lays down. Poxo is already asleep in the corner. I'll go to bed. Me too. So it could be next session, 
you guys will actually be able to communicate with Boxo and Braille. Wouldn't that be interesting? You guys did great. <clears throat> I appreciate all of you at the table. And yes, we're ending it early this time. <laughs> um, and I'm going to make a habit of this sort of thing rather than try to artificially prolong it.